All right, and welcome back, everybody, to Should This Be a Movie Artist Deep Dive. I'm here with Chris. I You're am here Chris. with Chris? I am Chris. Okay. I am Chris. Hello, Mark. <laughs> I'm with Mark, and I'm Mark, somehow at the That's same true. time. Ah, we getting philosophical. Yeah. Because you know what? I'm with myself, mm-hmm. and I am myself. That's right. And we're going to... Um, <laughs> We're going to dig into a very philosophical director. Not really. Is that true? No, it's not true. I'm just lying. trying to make it work. I really am. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, let that trilogy, let, let that, let those stories flow together. Sure. Much like this director. I think that. <laughs> oh man. It feels good to be back. I, I lie promise to everybody. Yeah. We are two sober individuals right now. Very sober. I promise. Very sober. May uh, not seem like it. No, no, no. But we but are. But it's true. This is, th- you know why? Because this is the time where I get a chance to like actually sit down. Yeah. This is my first time like sitting down and chilling today. Okay. And and I get to talk about movies and yep. have fun, you know, and I'm here for that. So, you know, without further ado, you listeners get are in for a treat of today. We're going to deep dive into famous director Sam Raimi. Now, Sam Raimi, of course, just come out with the recent movie, um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, yep. which is actually you know it's it's big right now. It's killing it at the box office. Yeah, it was hugely successful. Yeah, I don't so. think it was quite as successful with the fans, but mm-hmm. huge box office hit. Yeah, huge box office. I like the I like the direction they went in. Yeah, and so you know you get a little horror, you know. And if anybody knows anything about Sam Raimi, he is a master of horror in a lot of ways. So oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's been doing a lot of things. We're going to dig deep into him. And we'll start off overall, um, Sam Raimi. Now, of course, his name is Samuel M. Raimi, American-born actor, um, American-born filmmaker, I'm sorry. He's mostly known for the Spider-Man trilogy. Yep. And, of course, the Evil Dead series. Yep. Movies. And those are, like, huge fan favorites in the horror movie um, genre. So he's, he's a very lively director. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I would say he is one of the genre kings. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, for so much, th- there's a lot of really notable directors who get a lot of recognition for their ability to kind of weave in and out of genres. Like that's one of the things people talk a lot about with Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. right? How he can make crime fiction and martial arts movies and war movies and et cetera, et cetera. Um, Sam Raimi is a guy who was doing that from the beginning. He has always been in in that world. He is not going to make some stately, you know, Oscar bait drama film. No, about that. His, his movies have always got something weird, something off. Yeah, you know. I mean, even you mentioned he made the uh, Spider Man movies. Mm-hmm. Remember, they made the change in those where that version of Spider Man creates his own webbing. Yeah, like it comes out of him. <laughs> It's not like, you know, because usually the story is he makes it, right? In like cartridges. Spoiler alert. I yeah. love the fact that they addressed that in that recent Spider-Man movie. Oh, and No Way Home? Yeah, they did. And it was hilarious. Yeah. It was like, so you just, like, does it come out of other places? He was yeah. like, no, no, no. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> so, so, so even when he's making, like, the most mainstream of mainstream movies, mm-hmm. there's still got to be something a little weird in him. Yeah. He is, he's definitely, he's, he's, he's a fanboy director. In that sense, as you stated before, he's, he's like, he loves being gross. Oh, yeah. You know, so, and I love the fact that he's just so, 
I, we were talking earlier about his age or whatnot, right? So because he's he's about early sixties or whatnot, but his I'm always shocked at his age because his movies feel really youthful. Yeah, like you can tell that this director is having a lot of fun. It doesn't take himself too seriously. There's there's some jokes, but there's this kind of childish humor when it comes to a lot of the horror. You know, sure. it's a little bit outlandish in certain cases. Well, and uh, another key part to it, it um, or not key part, but an interesting thing kind of related to that is how closely associated he is with the Coen brothers. An- another set of filmmakers who mm-hmm. kind of always have that slyness, that sense of humor in them. I mean, because they go all the way back to the yeah. first Evil Dead movie mm-hmm. where Joel Cohen of the um, two brothers was I don't know what his technical title was, but he was basically the assistant editor on it. Yeah. He wasn't the actual editor, but he was working in it. Mm-hmm. And so they got to know each other. And then basically they've kind of always helped each other out ever since. Yeah. You I know, know he... Sam Raimi co-wrote one of the Coen brothers movies, the Hudsucker proxy. Oh really? Yeah. Um, the, I forget if it was, I think it was both of them co-wrote crime hey, rave. Yeah. Which is not great. Nope. But nope. Uh, it's all really hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and you, if you spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. you don't need to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, they've worked on that, and and they've all done all kinds of more subtler behind the scenes things where they kind of help each other out, give mm-hmm. each other feedback. Um, I think Sam Raimi even appeared in like a cameo or two in Cohen Brothers movies, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so they've just kind of always worked together, and and there is kind of that again that slyness that sense of humor that always exists and everything. But there's also this real can-do attitude of mm-hmm. we're just going to make it work. Yeah. We're, we're going to find out to make it happen mm-hmm. and be inventive and work in, you know, not just genre, but really reflect the movies that come before them. So the Coen brothers are notable, right? Because a lot of their films yeah, heavily reference films that have come before I mentioned mm-hmm. the Hudsucker Proxy, which um, Sam Raimi co-wrote, mm-hmm. is very indebted to the screwball comedies of the 30s and 40s. Mm. And stuff like that is really common in the Coen brothers. Some of that's really true for Raimi. Now, maybe yeah. not it was something like the Spider-Man movies so much, because mm-hmm. that is kind of creating its own thing. Yeah. But a lot of his other movies come out of traditions yeah. that he not only is kind of moving forward, mm-hmm. but also keeping present in his own way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think yeah. that he does a great job at, like, you can tell he does his homework in a lot of ways of, um, like, horror. Oh, yeah. He, he finds a way to mix that in in a lot of his movies. For sure. And and there's, like, this bit of, like, almost, like, fantasy fantastical shit that he puts in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like going on a wild ride. Yeah. And you can tell that it's like this is what, when you sit down with a Sam Raimi movie, you know that traditionally this is what you're going to get. You're going to get a wild ride, no matter the subject matter. You're going to get a wild ride. And I like that about um, the way he puts together movies, his style. He has a particular style. Oh, yeah. I mean, director, there's, a, I think there's really some stuff. Cool. Yeah. So. so with the new Doctor Strange movie, there's a few things you can see in the actual way the camera moves. Yes. There are some distinctive like stylistic shots mm-hmm. that are really common to his films. Mm-hmm. And you see him right there and you're like, "Oh, this looks like a movie Sam Raimi directed." Yeah. You're like, "Yeah, of course, cuz he did." It's like when you watch a Martin Scorsese film, mm-hmm. there are certain ways the camera's going to cut and the way it's going to zoom in and follow people where you're like, "Yeah. Yeah. That's 
that's him. I kind of feel like that when I'm watching um, Spike Lee films. You know, you get oh, the, yeah. the real thing. That, the, well, Spike Lee has, you know, it's actually somewhat related to one shot that Raimi has. Mm-hmm. He always has the shot where it's on somebody's face close up and mm-hmm. they don't move, but the background behind them moves super fast. Yes. I know they usually, I think, do it by putting them on um, some kind of tracks mm-hmm. and then they have the person stand still the camera stands still, but they move the whole platform behind yeah. them and then speed it up, right? That's a, that's a, that's yes. in like half of Spike Lee's movies. Yep, absolutely. In, you know, Sam Raimi, it goes back to the first Evil Dead movie. They couldn't afford to rent a steady cam, the kind mm-hmm. of handhold style camera. So they took a camera, attached it to a two by four yep. and had somebody run with it. Yeah, and that's what I mean by inventive. It's like, we're going to figure out how to get the shots we want. How to make this work, man. You're yeah. making lemons out of lemonade. And I, lo- I mean, lemonade out of lemons, and I love it. Love yeah. it. So, yeah. So, that's good. So, let's get into the highs, um, the highs section. What would be your high for Sam Raimi? So, this is a tough one. Yeah. I had to go. I was debating, do I go with my personal mm-hmm. choice mm-hmm. or what is Probably his best movie. Mm. And I went personal choice. Oh, so good. That's probably good his best movie is a movie called A Simple Plan, mm-hmm. which not enough people have seen. It is one of the best movies of the 90s, this great kind of like crime thriller. Mm-hmm. But I went with Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2 <laughs> is, yes. is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm. It's a horror movie by way of a Tex Avery cartoon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a horror movie starring Bugs Bunny. Yeah. And it's phenomenal. Yes. You know, the whole Evil Dead series with Sam Raimi is he basically comes to define a version of horror comedy that has Mm -hmm. existed ever since. Yeah, absolutely. The the two of them together, if you look back into, you know, the 70s and beforehand, Mm -hmm. never really intentionally existed. There were movies that ended up being funny. Yeah. But they weren't really supposed to be. They're more parodies. Yeah. If anything, it's like you, they were more being laughed at. Yes. This is being laughed with. Yeah. This is yeah. a movie where the, the humor isn't very intentional. Absolutely. It is yeah. not unintentional. Yeah. Shout out to Bruce Campbell but in general. they're yeah. also trying to scare you at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do both. Yep. And, you know, I think about, you know, some of the horror movies I've really loved in recent years. You think about something like You're Next. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you think about the movie Ready or Not, yeah. um, if people have seen those movies. Yep. Those are 100% indebted to the Evil Dead movies. Absolutely. And Evil Dead 2, really, so for those who haven't seen it, it is basically Evil Dead 1 again, just with money. Yeah. <laughs> um, Evil Dead 1 was, you know, the first real movie that Sam Raimi made. Didn't mm-hmm. have much of a budget. They just kind of made it work. You know, it was very kind of slapdash. By the time they made Evil Dead 2... The plot's sort of the same. It's just like, hey, what if we made this movie with four or five times the budget we mm-hmm. had originally? And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a style of movie that I really love. Um, and it's just like the epitome and, you know, pure definition of it. Um, also, there's very few things like it. Like, so when I mention that it's inspired, I think, as much by, like, Looney Tunes cartoons, I'm not even kidding. Like, it is so slapstick in a certain way mm-hmm. that there's really nothing else to compare it to other than that. And it's in the middle of this, like, you know, evil spirits rising and coming to, to kill people. Mm-hmm. And it's just fantastic. So that's my my top one. Chris, 
What, what, what did you put on top? I laugh because, honestly, that's my exact pick okay. as well. Um, Evil Dead 2, because it's so defining to the genre. It's equal yeah. part remake and sequel. <laughs> you know yes. what I'm saying? So it's all it is is literally like, yeah, watch me do this with money. Yeah. And they might as well say, hey, this is a re-release. For you sure. know what I'm saying? So it was, but it was great. It was fantastic. Like, you can still enjoy and recognize the value of one and two. Yeah. And not just be like, okay, I'm just watching the same movie. No, they was like, let's get more ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's comically, it's comically over the top in certain cases. Um, it it reminds you of, like, those B-rated 50 movies in, in certain certain films. Uh, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell is... You can tell like everybody's having fun with the story for sure, and it's just a it and it's a it's a I love when they have genre defining movies. Oh yeah, because there's none like it beforehand, but there's a ton of like it afterwards. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's a Sam Raimi special. Yep, it is a Sam Raimi special. There Did are the movies just with like it. Yep. So yeah, it it pretty much like if anybody's a fan of horror films or horror comedies specifically. It defines the genre, yeah, in a lot of ways, and changes the game. So that's why I give him that high because for me, that became the identifier of who Sam Raimi is, and it put him as a it shined a light on him and put him like it separated him from the pack, yeah, from everybody else. So yeah, I, I agree. Well, and the other thing that I think is appropriate for us to have this atop is this podcast basically came out of on one of your other podcasts, yeah. Um, we had a what like two and a half hour conversation <laughs> with a with a third guy yeah. about horror movies. Yeah, shout out Just to Don. Yeah. For a long, long time. Yeah, it was that a is, great episode. That is basically the precursor to this. To this, yeah. So if, us being horror movie fans, like yeah. it's it's almost like a no brainer. For sure. It's it's definitely that way. So yeah, so we got that other way. All right. So let's let's run into the lows. So this th- this was an easy pick. I I, I I think this is one where like there is a clear cut number one choice for okay. Sam and it's Oz the Great and the Powerful, the Wizard of Oz prequel. Ooh, ooh. The Wizard of Oz prequel is this huge, big budget extravaganza. Yeah, you know, he had made the Spider Man movies at this point. Mm-hmm. He even did that dip in uh, returning to horror movies with Drag uh-huh. Me to Hell. Fantastic mm-hmm. movie as well. Fantastic movie. Yeah. And so he comes and it's like, oh man, this is gonna be huge. We got big stars, big budget, and it is just a slog. It it it, it shit the bed. It is it, such a just ugh, totally Amber Heard it the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I mean, and some of it is I think we've talked in the past. Yeah. One of the biggest problems you can make in a movie before you even start making it is if mm. you cast the wrong people. Mm. And casting James Franco as the lead. Just didn't work. He can't act well. Well, he doesn't have the right charisma for it. No, he you, doesn't. You, like, he's supposed to be this kind of carny con man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, man, you need someone with a twinkle in the eye. Someone yeah. with a little... Who do you think would have been better? It's hard to say then. I don't know if he was ready for it then. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm thinking of it just because of Nightmare Alley coming out last year. But mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it would have been an interesting point in his career because that was like in the middle of when he was making the Hangover movies. Yeah, so he was kind of famous, but not huge yet. Mm. Um, you know, he hadn't done things like Silver Linings Playbook or American Sniper. Um, so he's somebody that comes to mind. I think that has that right kind of energy. You know, I I don't know if he'd be maybe a, a shade too old, but also mm. someone like Matt Damon. Okay, yeah, I think could do that as well. Yeah. Um. You know, because he's always great. Um, 
I don't think he would want to do it. It's not really his kind of movie. Nah. But Leo yeah. DiCaprio. Yeah. He could. Yeah. So anyways, there's there's a few different people. Gotta, you got to gussy that up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, the movie just, you know, it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. It, it's just this kind of unanswered question mm-hmm. that no one wanted. Like, yeah. like, it was a question we weren't asking. It's like, where did the Wizard of Oz come from? <laughs> like, nobody cares. And... Yeah, and they kind of try to bring in the, like, witch origin story, which is, you know, goes to that uh, musical Wicked. Yeah. Wicked, which I guess yeah. they're adapting now into yeah, the film. I, I'm, and it's a much better story. But it's, it's like, I don't know why they just didn't do that. Yeah. Um, instead of doing the, you know, wizard origin story, but kind of bring that in was really weird. And it's just, it's just a huge misfire. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence. And it's unfortunate. But... That movie comes out in 2013. Mm-hmm. The movie we were just talking about, the new Doctor Strange movie, mm-hmm. which came out in 2022. Yeah. There's nothing in between that he directed. No. He went nine years. Yeah. In between movies. He had to. I mean, it was such a mess. He kind of went to movie jail. He got to. Yeah. You got to regroup after that. So that's my uh, bottom. That Chris. Is. Oh, man. You know what's funny? Like, I had it. All right. So here's why it almost was Oz the Great Improv. Okay. Because I am a huge fan of The Wizard of Oz. Okay. And that was such a disappointment. Yeah. I wanted that to be good. I love the title of the movie mm-hmm. because it, it, it's from the book, right? So it's from the um, Elbaum book, Frank Elbaum. Um, and so everything about that created this excitement for me. And then it just, it just plopped. Yeah. And it did not do well. No. It did not do well. I thought that they missed a lot of the points. Um, and so it was, it was definitely a big disappointment, but also I kind of was like, I'm going to, I'm going to ride with it anyway. Okay. It's not great. And it's not anything that I would recommend anybody, mm-hmm. but I watched it and I took it for what it was. Was I disappointed? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, is it the worst movie? Eh, it's not. Oh. Um, I know. So in levels of disappointment. Oh, I know what this is then. That's right. Spider-Man 3. Yep. Yep. That movie was terrible. Like, and and when you come off, and it's not about the bad, like, because here's the thing, great and powerful, there's no precursor in a sense, right? Like, that, I mean, there's Wizard of Oz, but Wizard of Oz is old, old. Yeah, yeah. So when you do great and powerful, you kind of take it at face value. And if it's a fail, it's a fail. It's like, okay, that wasn't a great movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. But when you're riding off a particular high, yeah, and you crash that hard, because Spider-Man 3 by all accounts, is a mishap. Yeah. It is a bad movie. It does too much with, with too much. Like, it's a it's a problem with, like, you have a big budget and people begging for more ridiculous things to happen. And it just wasn't executed well. You have, you had, and you had golden opportunities to do things. I think with the, with the addition of Venom, um, with Eddie Brock or whatnot, that could have been so much better. You know? And now you have, like, the Fast and Furious version of, um, Venom out, which is is better, but it's like that was easy, you know. So well, and so the, the, I think there's two reasons why it's so disappointing. One yeah. is it comes off Spider-Man Two, which was which excellent, is an argument for the best superhero movie ever. You know, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's in that top tier. Oh yeah, you know, if you're making like a list of them, it's probably in the top ten, mm-hmm. maybe even top five of yeah. all those ever. It's, it's definitely top five, and. On top of that, it's also an example of what often happens to some of these 
heavily IP-based films, and especially ones that are in multiple series, where you come off a huge high, and then you have too many people who want too many different things. So I know yeah. um, part of the whole problem with it is they're ba- he's basically trying to make two movies at the same time. Mm-hmm. So Sam Raimi had the movie he wanted to make, which was basically the Sandman um, Hobgoblin movie. Yeah. And then there were producers in the studio who were like, no, we need to make a Venom movie. Yeah. And so the problem that they did is they tried to make two of them at the same time. They which tried is to terrible. do both. And then yeah. they also tried to throw in the whole Gwen Stacy thing, but not really end the Mary Jane thing either. They yeah. kind of try again, they're trying to do both. Yeah, you're doing too much in yeah. one one thing. And I think that was such a disappointing drop off. For sure. And so much so that it was like, well, we don't want we would not want another Spider Man movie for years. No, they I mean they rebooted it with uh Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield and Emma yeah. Stone. Yep. After that. Because they're like, we need to start yeah. over. That was it's another mishap. See, and I, I blame yeah. him for that. But you know, I will say this: like Andrew Garfield was great. Yeah, that story was bad. Oh yeah, you know and so it was just you know what? Uh, Spider Man Three reminds me of Karate Kid Three. Okay, remember like when Karate is like, you are entirely too old for this role. Oh, for um, sure. And this is this is just bad. Yeah, you just just cut it off, and it kind of fucks up the legacy of the first two movies, like. I mean, obviously, we've healed since then. Like, it's like, we can look back at it and look at, like, I look at two and not think of three at all. Yeah. When three came out, I was like, man, this kind of messes up two. Because you know, this this is the end. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is how it ends. This sucks. So, but yeah, so I, I would put three because that was the time, I think that was the time where I was the most disappointed by yeah, yeah. Sam Raimi as a director. It's it, it, yeah. it's the expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So I thought I thought that that was a big thing. Big thing. So yeah, all right. So last but not least, we have our dark horse pick. So this was the toughest one. Ooh, yeah. I, I, I think in part because Sam Raimi, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. He's the dark horse guy. He is. Layla, like all he makes is dark horse favorites. I mean, the favorite movie we picked was an Evil Dead Two. You know exactly. Yeah. Which of uh, that? And I kind of went through different things. So I mm. talked about the movie he co-wrote with the Coens, mm-hmm. the Hudsucker Proxy. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really underrated Coen Brothers movie. But it's only a movie he co-wrote, so I didn't want to go with that. Yeah. I almost picked from his producing career. Because mm. it's a lot. I'm just going to point this off mm-hmm. for the last, like, 20 years of horror films. Mm-hmm. Here's a select view. Okay, go ahead. He did The Grudge and The Grudge 2, so the U.S. versions mm. of both of those. Yep. 30 Days of Night, Evil Possession, The Evil Dead remake, which is... A very different kind of movie, the Fede Alvarez one that comes out in 2013. Yes. Is just one of the grisliest, gnarliest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so gory. I can't believe it's only R-rated. Um, so it does not have the comedy of the other one. No. Uh, Don't Breathe, which was a real fun, tense movie. It is. Crawl, the Escape from the Alligators. Yes. Funny, escape, yeah. Which was a ton of a fun. Florida summer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A ton of fun. And yeah. so he has all these kind of movies, too. But again... Those are just producing. Mm-hmm. So I went with back when he wanted to make a superhero movie for the first time. Mm. And he he was in contention to make Batman, but it mm-hmm. didn't happen. Went with yeah. Tim Burton. Yes. He tried to get the rights to make The Shadow, which they eventually made a terrible Alec Baldwin movie about in the mid-90s. Mm. So he creates his own, and that's a movie called Dark Man. Dark Man. A pre-famous Liam Neeson. Um, yep. And... It is just a wildly inventive time. If you hear him talk about it, he'll say he's actually 
as inspired as anything by the universal monster films of the 30s and 40s. Mm. Frankenstein, the creature from the black goon, the invisible man, you know, all of those classics. And so he basically made what if one of those was a superhero movie. Yeah. So Liam Neeson's the scientist. He gets caught in this attack. He's badly burned. They can't heal. So he's like bandaged the whole time. And somehow he has, you know, like superpowers after that, like super strength. Mm-hmm. But he also loses his mind from it. So he's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. like powered and trying to get revenge. And it's it, it's almost like one of those 70s revenge thrillers too at the same time. And it is phenomenal. It is, I think, the one of the great forgotten mm-hmm. kind of superhero movies, in part because it's not based on pre-existing IP. Yeah. It kind of doesn't get looked at in the same way. But it is a fantastic movie. It's all it's all up there with like Blade Two, which I think kind of gets forgotten about in the superhero movies mm-hmm. um a little bit. It does. So because it came, you know, in the pre-peak days before everything really took off. And so that's one. If people haven't seen it, you definitely should. It's you can see a guy who's directed a bunch of notable horror movies uh-huh. in there. Um, you know, there's still some elements of that. Yeah, but it is phenomenal. If you're looking for something a little weird and off center in your superhero action, um, it, I mean, it was successful enough at the time. They ended up making two straight to video sequels, which uh-huh. are not good. Not at, watch him. not at all. Not at all. He is not really involved with. It. I think he might technically produce him, mm-hmm. but he wasn't involved in them. Liam Neeson was long gone. You know, all the great people involved all took off. Um, so that's the one I went with. I almost went with a simple plan, which I yeah. mentioned earlier, might actually be his best movie. Mm, but yes, I wanted to go with Dark Man. Gotcha, gotcha. For me, I went with things that were outside of his norm. Okay, right. So I decided to go with something that I was like. You, I look back and go, Sam Raimi directed that? Okay. You know? And that would be The Quick and the Dead. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. The Quick and the Dead is a spaghetti Western, right? Which, honestly, when you look at it, if you put a spaghetti, like a Western in general, mm-hmm. like, if you like, hey, Sam Raimi is directing a Western, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? And it works out so well. First of all, it's a fun-ass movie. It's violent, of course, as all yeah. Westerns are, right? So it still has that kind of, like, not as, as Sam Raimi does, in a sense, but it's just in a different tone. And not only that, it has an all-star cast. Oh, it's killer. Oh, man, it is great. You got Gene Hackman. You have Leonardo DiCaprio. Sharon Stone is bodying the motherfucking game mm-hmm. in this one. So it's it's all like... Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Fuck, exactly. You have Russell Crowe at random, right? Like, well, not this really is before at random. he was famous. This, this is, I believe it's his first non-Australian movie. Yeah, yeah. So... You have all these people, and it's such a great movie, and it comes off well, and it's such a, um, I don't know if it came out around the time as Unforgiven or whatnot. A few years later. A few I, years later? I think it's 95, yeah. and I believe Unforgiven, I want to say it's 92. Because I feel like The Quick and the Day is one of the last, like, really good Westerns. Well, to My, me, to me, what I would compare it to is less Unforgiven. Yeah. Because it's, it's got a little bit of the fun of Tombstone. Yes. Which comes out r- really close to it. I think that's yeah. 94 or 95. That's what I'm thinking about. Like, Because yeah. I was about to say, it was a time where it was like a wave to make to come out with like some Westerns. Yeah. And so he came out with his Western and it has this great cast and great story. And it, it's it's actually one of those Westerns that's really fun to watch. Yeah. 
in a sense. It's it's not as like a, it's not Quentin Tarantino esque, but it's it's very much his style, and it works well. Well, because really, I mean, for those who haven't seen it, mm-hmm. really simply, it's a western that's a tournament. Yeah, it's just a tournament of duels. Mm-hmm. Now there's a like getting revenge plot and guy who controls the city and some of that yeah. kind of stuff. But the core plot that kind of moves the story along mm-hmm. is there's tournament of duels. Yeah. All these great gunfighters come to see who's the best. Exactly. There's some grand opening, grand closings in it. Yep. And so, so it was really cool. I thought that there was it was a step in a different direction for him as yeah. a director. And it executed well. I like when directors are able to step outside their comfort zone and execute pretty well. And I felt like compared to all the other movies in his in his repertoire, this was honestly the one that was like with eyebrow raising, right? Mm. But also, oh shit, this worked well. Well, th- there's one that's a little more out what, there. Wh- which one? And you can say out in left field. Okay. If we're going to go pun time. Go on. That's for the love of the game. Ah! That's right. The... That's last correct. Of the Christo- or of the uh, Kevin Costner baseball movies. Yes. Where Kevin Costner is an over-the-hill pitcher, mm-hmm. got one last great game in it, but yeah. the other half of the movie is this, like, long romance story. It's like romance sports movie. This explains why I didn't fuck with that movie. But um, yeah. It's... <laughs> the, the baseball part is really cool. Yeah. It also features uh, John C. Riley as he's getting going as the catcher. Oh, and, you know, who's kind of trying to help mm-hmm. Kevin Costner pitch this perfect game. Okay. But the problem is... He's not quite a magical Negro, but it's... No. Um, no. <laughs> but the the romance storyline that makes up the other half of the movie... Yeah. It, it's just not it's not working. It's not. Okay, yeah. So... I'm, I'm very comfortable with my pick. But, but it is yes. a movie that never would have expected him to do. No, no. And that's the other fun thing. I mean, you know, as we're wrapping up, he will just, you know what? He'll just try things. Yeah. He'll just take on something I, weird. I love that braveness. Yeah. Like, and that's why I was I was happy that Marvel decided to work with him again on that end. Because I was like, oh, great. He's a he's a director that takes chances. Now, I know that he probably has some, I heard that there were some issues behind the scenes of the, the higher-ups. Like, we want it to be this way. Well, and Raimi wanted it to be Raimi. Well, I, I I think this is this is the simple thing, and we see this happen on many movies that are part of these huge franchises, mm-hmm. he wasn't originally going to direct it. So originally, the so there's the director of the first Doctor Strange, Scott Derrickson, mm-hmm. and he was going to do the second one. Yeah. And then as they were working through pre-production, mm-hmm. they had a difference of opinion. So Derrickson left, and they're like, "Well, we want to direct a superhero movie that's kind of got." some horror elements to it there's one obvious call obviously sam Raimi. yeah and so he kind of comes in when like the movie's already halfway developed Mm -hmm. so he's there for the whole directing they hadn't filmed anything yet yeah but most of the screenplay had been written they had started doing you know all the casting and the big the main part of the story had been developed and so he's got to kind of try to fit in to yeah. something that already kind of exists. And it's and hard. that's tricky. Yeah, it's hard when you're coming so. into an already old machine. Yeah. And you can't, like, you can't really stretch, yeah. flex your muscles in a sense. And it's not in the way yeah. that, for example, you know, when you think about somebody 
like James Gunn coming mm-hmm. in to direct Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. He's working with characters that have never been in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. He's coming in from the very beginning and can kind of do what he wants to do. Yeah, he can shape instead it in of, his world. Instead of coming in when it's already like halfway developed. Yeah. So. And that's because usually like they'd be like, we, we, we've seen some directors come into these franchises and just just follow what we do. But he's such a unique director. Oh, yeah. It's hard for him to, like, just sit there like, okay, I got to add He's not something. just going to fit in. No, he's not going to fit in. He's too quirky of a, a director, yeah. and I, which is what I love about him, and that's for why sure. I was excited for this movie. I think that was good. So, yeah, kudos to him. Um, if you are all out there listening, like, go check out a Sam Raimi film. They're great. They're great. This, I will say, mm-hmm. it's probably the most excited I've been to do one of these artist spotlight episodes yeah um because he's a favorite of mine but he's a mm-hmm. favorite of mine who i don't know if always gets the same attention because we've done some real big names yeah we have and yeah. for a guy who's directed some really successful movies mm-hmm. you know i don't kind of think he gets a little little overlooked i do i think he slept on for the same reason you said in the beginning he's a he's a um almost like a fan like he's a movies guy yeah he's a fan a, a fan favorite in a sense so he does movies for the lovers of movies yeah you know i think he doesn't not not at least not in my recent memory he doesn't do like oscar bait films no no he just like hey listen i'm gonna do what the fuck i want to do i'm gonna have my style with it so it's sort of like like he he gives a fuck a little bit less than than quentin tarantino you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like i love the fact that he ha- he has his own style and he's very entertaining and he just does the what the hell he wants. And he sure. loves horror. And that that to me is just awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. So yeah, kudos to him, man. He's great. He's great. Congratulations to Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Uh any final thoughts on Sam Raimi? Um, no, I I think it gets it for me. Yep. Same here. Same here, man. So if any of you are listening, please check out one of Sam Raimi's films. Let us know what you like in the comments. And we'll be uh reviewing some more of his movies in the future, I'm sure. So that'd be good. Definitely. Thank you all for listening again. And we'll see you soon. purpose recordings created and produced by chris blunt mixed and edited by joff gibbs